Since my family, I hope you're enjoying this beautiful day that God has given us. This is Francis Wessel welcoming you to the episode 5 of the Emotional Health Series. If this is the first time you listen to us, I recommend that you take the time to listen to the previous episodes. We believe that they will be a blessing to you. But continuing with our Emotional Health Series, this time around we are going to be discussing how to cope with loss. In other words, we are going to talk about how to process grief correctly. Matthew 5, 4 tells us, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. To be honest with you, I have not preached much on this subject. I don't think I have ever used this verse outside funerals or celebrations of life. In reality, Christians do not listen to too many sermons on mourning. It is not uplifting, and some Christians might believe that by talking about it, we are being negative. However, the reality is that every one of us experiences loss in our lives. And if we do not deal correctly with these losses, our emotional and physical health might be affected. Many times I have heard that some believers advise the relatives of people who have lost their loved ones not to cry. And even ask them to rejoice because their loved one is now in a better place. Of course, it is true that when believers die, they pass from death to life. But that does not mean that our relatives do not feel our loss. I think sometimes we misunderstand the words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians when he tells us that we do not mourn like those that have no hope. Many interpret these words as that Christians should not mourn when they experience losses, but that is not what the Bible teaches. The fact that we hope to see our loved ones again does not mean that we do not have the right to mourn their departure. What we should not do is mourn hopelessly or inappropriately because this opens our hearts to a spirit of mourning. Do you know someone who has lost something or someone and even though they experienced that loss years ago, they still talk about the situation as if it happened yesterday? When we do not express our emotions correctly, whether we repress them or give them free reign, we give the devil a place and, up to some extent, the right to work against us and cause damage in our lives. Therefore, if you will allow me, I want to share a little insight on how to deal with pain or loss correctly. First, I want to establish that when we talk about a loss, we are not only talking about the loss of a loved one. Every loss hurts and we need to process the pain. Whether we have lost our health, our financial security, a relationship, or a loved one, all losses affect us. If instead of dealing with the emotions that this loss produces in us, we ignore them or cannot process them, those emotions do not disappear. It may be that for a while we can ignore them, but then they overflow and manifest as physical pain, whether it be as headaches, back pain, stomach problems, or emotional problems such as bulimia, anorexia, anxiety, depression, hoarding, or any other emotional disorders. There are people who live with so much emotional pain that anything out of the ordinary can lead them to fits of anger or anxiety. Many times they can control themselves in public, 
but the ones who end up suffering the consequences of their pain or frustration are their spouses or their children. Sadly, I am not talking about people who do not know Christ, but about Christians. Many young people do not want to go to church because they complain that their parents are light in the street but darkness at home. I once dealt with a person who had been a functioning alcoholic for 25 years and who despite having accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior could not stop drinking. He was about to lose his marriage and came to my church seeking counseling. In our first session, we discovered that he started drinking the same year that he lost his father, and because he did not know how to deal with that loss, he replaced his father's love with alcohol. He had been to Alcoholics Anonymous and tried to stop drinking many times without success. As soon as he dealt with his loss, he stopped drinking. He has been free from that addiction for years. My family, our losses are worth dealing with, because Christ promises us an abundant life, and that includes our emotional health. Now, how do we deal with losses correctly? We do so by expressing our pain, by mourning, or by grieving. Before you run off to dress in black, let me tell you what I mean. God has given men the ability to go through pain, but not to live in pain. In other words, our pain has to have an end. And the way to put an end to our pain in case of loss is through grief. That is why we see that God allowed Israel to mourn the death of Moses for an entire month before they took over the promised land. It is healthy to express pain. Many consider Jeremiah the weeping prophet. Even Christ wept with Mary and Martha. The most effective way to be comforted, according to the Beatitudes, is by mourning. Before I go on, I have to admit that the theme of mourning is not very pleasant or popular. Nobody likes to talk about grief, especially when we are happy. But I decided to do it because it does not matter how healthy, how young, strong, or rich we are, eventually we are going to experience loss. Either us or our loved ones are going to experience grief. And the way we go through our pain dictates how we react to future pain, whether it is a real pain or just perceived. Since pain is unavoidable on this side of heaven, we might as well learn to deal with it. With this in mind, I am going to list the stages of grief. I'm not going to go into much length explaining them because they are well known. And even if you don't know much about them, there are many resources that do a good job explaining them. I prefer to focus on what we need to do not to get stuck in any of those stages of grief to reach the end of our mourning or grief. But here we go. The stages that we experience when we lose something or someone are, first of all, denial. Many times we do not believe that what happened is real. It is normal that when we experience trauma, we do our best to think that what we are living is just a nightmare and that soon we are going to wake up from it. But it is a reality and in the denial stage, we refuse to accept it. After denial, we usually experience confusion. In that stage, sometimes we do not understand how or why we suffer that loss. Our pain is meaningless. Then comes anger. All losses lead to anger, 
but anger does not have to lead to rage. After the stage of anger comes sadness or sometimes guilt, but eventually we get to acceptance. We accept what happened and we begin to reestablish ourselves without whatever it was or whoever it was that we lost. Each person experiencing loss goes to at least a few of these stages and because loss affects us all in different ways, no one can tell you how you are going to react in each stage or how long it will be for you to go through them. What I can tell you is that all of us need to process our pain properly. How do we do that? We first need to express our pain. Many Christians try to suppress pain for fear of appearing weak. But as we have already said, it is not a sin or weakness to express our pain when we are suffering. Something very important in our process of healing from pain is that we cannot or should not deal with pain alone. Of course, it is easier to cry with someone when we lost a loved one because the entire family suffers the loss of that person who has passed. But sometimes it is not easy to express pain when you are the only one who incurred the loss. However, to grieve correctly, it is best to do it surrounded by people who love us. That is why my family in Christ, it is important that we mourn with those who mourn. My mother is excellent at this. She does not need to know why people are crying. If she sees someone crying, she starts crying with that person. I honestly do not have this gift, but I try to do my best to mourn with people in pain because I know how important it is to offer that support. Second, in order not to get stuck in any of our mourning stages, we have to be in a safe place to go through them. We need to mourn in a safe environment. What do I mean by this? I mean that we cannot process our pain if we do not have the resources or the necessary circumstances to do so. A mother of three who just lost her husband, who was the only one working at home, does not have the time to process her pain. She needs to provide for her children. The boy or the girl who is abused and then is taken out of his house cannot process his or her pain as he needs to because he needs to focus on surviving the change that just occurred. The person who loses his home due to lack of resources cannot process that loss because he or she needs to concentrate on finding a new home. That is why many people who suffer abuse become abusers or suffer emotional disorders because they were never able to process their pain. Even if they come to Christ, they do not achieve an abundant life because they still carry the unprocessed pain of their past. That is why Christ invites us all that are burdened and weary to go to Him. The problem is that many, when coming to Christ, do not give Him their burdens and continue to suffer the consequences of past pain. I have a friend who first lost his job and then lost his house. He recently called me to tell me how surprised he was because almost a year after he lost his house, he still feels angry about that loss. That is natural. He is barely recovering financially. He finally is in a safe place to start processing his pain. I reminded him that anger is only an emotion and it is not a sin. Sin is what we do when we lose control of that emotion. I also suggested 
that he takes some time to process his loss and not forget that God is the restorer of all our losses. Some of you may think that a year is more than enough time to let go of the anger of losing a house, but my friend has not had a good place to do it. The good thing and the good news is that he is dealing with his loss now and will avoid any negative effects that could result from that loss in the future. By continuing with our subject, to be able to go through the different stages of mourning in a healthy way, we not only need to be surrounded by people who love us and be in a safe place to mourn, but mourning has also have to have a relief. We have to find a way for our loss not to be in vain or in the case of the death of a loved one, we have to find a way to honor that life. This helps us to come to an end of our mourning. How do we do that? Some people do something on behalf of the deceased person. Others remember the person in a pleasant way. Some time ago, I counseled a young girl who lost her uncle. He was a veteran of the U.S. Navy, and during his lifetime, he took great interest in his fellow veterans. I recommended that instead of mourning her uncle's death on his birthday, she and her family could do something that brings joy to the family and gives them a relief from their pain. We decided it was a good idea to celebrate her uncle's birthday by organizing a veteran's fundraiser, run or walk, on behalf of her uncle. I also know a mother who, on the anniversary of her daughter's death, brings flowers and balloons to the cancer wing of the hospital where her daughter died. Her girl liked balloons and flowers, so instead of remembering her birthday sad and alone, she does it in reaching the lives of other children. So I recommend that you find a nice way to honor or make sense of your loss. I leave you with a story. I know of a woman who lost her two children and her husband. At first, she could not believe that that was her reality. Her pain led her to try to separate herself from her daughters-in-law, the only family she had left. She was a woman of good character, but her pain transformed her into a bitter woman. In her grief, she decided to return to her country where people who knew her and loved her can surround her. Her economic condition improved because one of her daughters-in-law who went with her to that country found a new job and this helped the woman to process her pain. Feeling better, she decided to honor the memory of her son by helping her daughter-in-law to rebuild her life, which put an end to her mourning. Of course, I'm talking about the story of Naomi and Ruth. I'm talking about the book of Ruth in the Bible. Many people believe that that book is about a romantic story. And even though it's true that in it we find romance, my opinion is also that it is a beautiful example of how to deal with loss. If you haven't read it in a while, I recommend you read it and allow the Holy Spirit to show you how the amazing Naomi dealt with her pain. In conclusion, I want to emphasize that the end of our grief does not mean that we forget what we lost or those we lost. It simply allows us to move on with life waiting for the day when we will no longer have a reason to cry. One day, the Lord Jesus Christ will wash away all our tears. 
If you ever need us to pray for you, please send a prayer request to info at globalgraceministries.com or by visiting our website, globalgraceministries.com. If our podcast has blessed you and you want to help us with the expenses of this podcast or would like to bless one of the ministries we support, you can do so by going to the Donate tab on our website. I pray for the goodness of God to overwhelm you this week. God bless you. Thank you.